Hello, hello, and welcome back to Finish That Book. We are picking up where we left off yesterday in, you know, episode five. Uh, With the rule of many, things are, I think, about to get really real. So um, let's go ahead and get into it. Z, the last stage, 6.11 p.m. I will remember that time for the rest of my life. Rayla, my mother, I don't know what to call her. She's 10 feet from me. The woman who gave me life, gave me away. The rule of one made her do that. The doctors too, the guards, the governor. But did she want me? Was her choice easy? After 40 plus years, does she remember? She walks to me, slow. Her eyes are full of tears. I've never looked somebody in the eyes before. I look straight into hers. My child, she asks. Haven? Haven. She named me. The safe house goes quiet. All attention on us. Give them some privacy, people, the young man she came in with says. My heart feels swollen. Two times too big for my broken body. She stops in front of me reaches out her hand, moves her fingers in the air over my cheeks, mouth, doesn't touch. Is it really you? She falls down to her knees. I get to my knees, too. Words fail me. I don't know how to say what I feel. I let my smile speak for me. Tears fall from my eyes. Forgive me, she says. Asks. She looks like she's in pain, inside and out. You must understand, she says. Family planning took you right after I gave birth to you, but I never truly let you go, ever. She holds my hand and puts it over her chest, her heart. It beats fast, like footsteps running to me. You lived within me. You lived within your sister. Lynn, there's so much to say, so many questions. I just ask one. Can I call you mother? She nods, gives a small laugh. May I call you Haven? Mother asks. I also nod, place her hand over my own heart. I feel safe, complete, loved. We help each other to our feet. The young man now stands next to Mother. Owen, it's an honor to meet you, he says, holds out his hand. Second time I've heard those words. The first was from Cleo. She's in Guardian Tower with the Common and the other prisoners. Hello, Owen, I say. I touch his fingers with mine. Is that the correct way to greet? I have something to show you, mother, I say. I take her hand. It's rough. Calloused. Did she have a hard life, too? We walk to a dark corner in an empty hall. The first lady steps into the light, arms wrapped around her thin body, dressed in civilian clothes. A long cloth covers her head, hiding who she is. Show your face, I say. The first lady does. Holy hell, Owen says. The first lady's eyes go wide. Rayla Cadwell. Lynn, what is this? Not Lynn, I say. My name is Haven. I was an inmate in the camps. The first lady seems to understand. She starts to shake again, backs away. Camps? Mother shouts. The first lady tries to run, but mother catches her, makes her face me. You cannot hide from your crimes, mother says to her. Your husband taught us that. 
You are the prisoner now, I say to the first lady, the warden of Texas. How does it feel? I feel power for the first time in my long, hard life. I look at mother, smile. She smiles back, proud. She makes me strong, a hundred percent ready to take on the guards, governors, all our family's enemies. Mira, half of me always knew if I ever returned to Dallas, it would be in handcuffs. At least my other half is still out there. Ava, she can still be the fuel, the oxygen that keeps the rebellion's flame burning. At least I have that. Whatever happens to me, I can carry that hope with me wherever I go. I teeter, then fall into carefree oblivion. The sharp jab of a baton between my shoulder blades rouses me. My eyes snap open. No sleeping, glut, a guard shouts down at me. Don't you want to be awake for your final hours? With a grisly smile, she stomps back to her post beside our rail compartment's door. I rub out the sting of sleeplessness from my eyes with my shoulder. How much time do I have left? My hands are cuffed to the metal pole behind my seat. I twist my arms, but I can't read my watch. It's dark out now. The high-speed train streaks past the lighted buildings, their shining bulbs of electricity multiplying with every passing second. We're in the Dallas city limits. Only five more minutes, ten at the most, before we reach Guardian Station. I dip my head and try to spot Guardian Tower, the soaring, luminous ball, the brightest star in the sky, the glass tower of the Texas Guard. I can't see it through the dense fog of pollution. Or is that smoke? I wonder if Roth will be on the station's platform to greet me. Will he bother secretly hauling me to the tower, or will he just shoot me where I sit, point-blank between the eyes like he did to my father? Shoving the grainy poison footage from my mind, I strain my neck to the left. Through the compartment's inner doors, I check up on Ciro and Cano. What will the governor do with them? They're both on the floor, tied to the center handrail, two guards looming over them. A gag ripped from his own shirt covers Ciro's mouth. Blood cakes his soiled locks and drips down his forehead into his eyes. There's nothing he can do to stop it. Berend urged Ciro not to come. Maybe Berend's the traitor. The thought won't leave my mind. Maybe he's the turncoat, the mole, the one who told Roth of our mission to unite the states. He could have been warning Ciro we were doomed players in a rigged game. What if Ava's here, too? I flick my eyes to Kano and see several angry wounds from the barbs of a taser gun marking his neck and cheek. My team didn't go down easy. Neither will I. Twisting my neck to the right, I look past my guard, through the other compartment's doors. I can just make out Theo sitting alone in the back row. He's staring straight at me, his eyes bulging and red like he's been waiting unblinking for me to turn and stare back. I'm sorry, they say. I didn't know. I turn away. Sorry for what? That your father had a backup plan to save his own family's skin? Or did Alexander, the trickster, envision this all along? The prodigal son, the rightful heir, returned to his birthplace bearing a gift of absolution. The most damning half of the traitorous twins, the second child. Alexander's finishing what his firstborn started, delivering what Halton could not. Me. I'm Alexander's way back in. Governor Roth will welcome him with open arms.
Theo better not do anything stupid like give himself away. In a last-ditch act of desperation, if he attempts to complete our mission, tries to flip the guard, and tells a soldier his real identity, he will only end up like me, a glut in handcuffs on our way to Evanescence. Four more minutes. Slowly, I lift my head and turn back to Theo. He's gripping my knife. Does he think he can take down the soldier? No, don't. I almost yell. I yank uselessly against my restraints. Not now. But instead of lashing out on the guard five rows away, he turns the blade on himself, on his inner right wrist. With a clumsy swipe, he cuts his skin and digs out his counterfeit microchip. Pinching it between thumb and middle finger, he holds it up, glaring at the bloody metal capsule like a tumor just removed. He didn't know. He never knew he was microchipped. Alexander marches into view down the aisle, realizing what Theo's holding. He contorts his face with horror. In one fell swoop, he snatches the chip from Theo's fingers and pockets it. The guard none the wiser. Through the glass door, I see Alexander tug down Theo's right sleeve, covering the dangerous mark his son just gave himself. A mark that brands his son a rebel. Do the guards smell the blood? What did he just do? Theo stands to his full height, level with his father's. His curled fist shines with the steel rings of my knife's handle. Swinging back his arm, he punches Alexander in the stomach with a quick, brutal jab. Alexander barely hits the floor before the oversized guard is on Theo with his baton. The guard from my car barrels through the doors, taser gun aimed and ready. Theo doesn't even cower. He just glowers down at his father, his eyes saying, You did this. Stand down. Alexander wheezes at Theo's feet, raising a commanding hand for the soldiers to stop. Reluctantly, they listen. Baton holstered, the stalwart guard seizes Theo, locking his arms behind his back. The soldier exchanges a few heated words with Alexander. I try to read their lips, but I can't keep up. Shouting something I can't hear, the second guard points to Theo's right wrist. She's discovered the cut. She knows he's a traitor. Drawing a zip tie from her duty belt, she bonds Theo's hands so tight he grimaces in agony. Alexander attempts to maintain the stone-faced supremacy of an officer in front of his, his guard, but I see the edges crack. I see him flinch. This wasn't part of his plan. He's lost his son. He's losing control. Two minutes left. Before the guards can do any more damage, Alexander barks an order and grabs Theo roughly by the neck. He pushes his son through the compartment and into my car, throwing him four rows behind mine. Stop, Alexander says to his son, leaning against a pole, still coughing and rasping from his gut punch. Stop making things worse. Straightening his coat and hair, Alexander marches past me, not sparing a single glance in my direction. We're pulling into downtown as I speak, he says. Everyone will know tonight. What does that mean? Everyone will know what? The door slides shut, and the guard takes up her post. I turn to Theo. You should not have done that, I say. I've joined the common, Theo whispers earnestly. I'm with you, whatever happens. I'm with you too. I admit to Theo and to myself. I won't let the guard take him. The rail slows to a gradual stop. 30 seconds. Welcome to Guardian Station. The soothing voice from the speaker announces. In less than 15 seconds, Roth could walk through the doors in front of me, nothing but a few feet of air dividing us. The old fear grips and wrings my heart, squeezing tears from my sleepy eyes. No, I scold myself. You are not the same girl as when you were last here. He fears you now. 
show him why. I let no tears fall. But it's not Governor Roth who strides through the rail doors. Who's that? Theo asks, not caring if anyone hears. General Pierce, I respond, getting a large flesh greeting the large fleshy man who's always reminded me of nothing more than a bulldozer. He's lost more hair since I last saw him. He halts at the entrance, looking me up and down appraisingly. You came back in one piece, I see. You never should have run. I almost spit in his face, but I decide not to waste the saliva. How could you let Roth kill my father, your supposed friend? Tearing his gaze off me, he searches the car for Alexander. He can't look me in the eyes. Your father took his own life, Mira. I know that's difficult to accept. You can't reason with commoners, a woman says from the platform. She stomps past the general to get to me. Short, but somehow all the more intimidating for it, she wears a crisp military uniform with several badges on her right breast. The center badge outshines the rest. It's the same badge my father once wore. She's the new director of the Texas Family Planning Division. I recognize the woman but can't recall her name. She used to be the director in the powerful, powerful northern state of Montana. With a forceful claw, the director clutches my chin and lifts my face for a better viewing experience. The infamous twin, she says. Very nice. I rip my chin away from her grasp and she turns her attention to Theo. And who is this? Don't touch him. Nobody. Alexander says as he enters the car, saving me from headbutting the woman. The general and director stands at attention as he comes in. He's just more common filth. Where's the governor? Alexander asks, impatient. Where's my father? Governor Roth sends his regards for not being here to welcome you, General Pierce responds. There have been a few incidents assassination attempts, involving a small number of amateur criminals. The governor asked me to escort you safely to the governor's mansion, General Pierce finishes. That won't be necessary, General, Alexander answers in a haughty tone not to be questioned. I have a gift for the city, the country's top traitor, my son's killer. He, his mouth cuts open in a malevolent smile. I have planned something much grander for my homecoming. He cocks his head toward me for both our homecomings. I don't dare look at Theo. I don't want him to see me crack. Everyone will know tonight, Alexander promised me. He's going to announce I've been caught. He's going to parade me in front of the public. Turning his back on his second child, Alexander makes for the exit. Take us to the Capitol building, he orders. I crack and turn to Theo. When you can, I mouth to him, run. Oh God, I hope he understands. Possibilities race through my mind. I yield to the worst one. We're likely headed for my public execution. I lived as a secret. At least I won't die as one. Survive. Survive for me and your mother. My father's last words scream in my head. Father. Ava. I tried. Ava. My stomach drops abruptly along with the plane. The pilot explained over the speakers that turbulence is perfectly normal and that all nervous flyers should sit in the center of the aircraft with their seatbelts securely fastened. I filled in details about atmospheric waves myself, remembering the old videos I used to watch with Mira in the basement, prepping ourselves in the unlikely event we ever got to fly. Despite this knowledge, every time the airplane loses altitude, I think we're going down. Each bump feels like a bomb sent by the Texas Guard. We can't hide from Roth, even in the sky. 
way too anxious to sit. I paced back and forth at the front of the cabin, closed my eyes, and breathed. Why would anyone ever want to fly? It's terrifying. But it's also efficient, though I can only imagine the cost. Biofuel is like gold in our country. This plane transport will get us to Dallas in three hours, making up for all the lost time we spent sitting useless in the cellar safe house. It was worth the 16-hour wait for our ride. Soldiers still faithful to Senator Gordon were able to get my team and me on the small government plane flown by an actual pilot rather than the autonomous system. The senator himself stayed behind to ignite the cause across Washington state and mobilize his citizens to our side. His task will be difficult. He's battling against both Governor Elson's army and the Texas State Guard. But when we parted at the safe house, I saw the fight burning bright inside him. It's like he relished being the underdog. He gave me the rebellion salute, and I left feeling the strength our new recruit just added to the common. I stop pacing and take out my map, checking on the progress our missions have made calms my nerves. Senator Griggs of New York, not yet. Senator Lopez of North California, with us. Senator Tate of Colorado, not yet. Senator Dalton of Michigan, with us. Senator Gordon of Washington State, with us. We've turned three states yellow. Four, counting Oregon, a state that wasn't even on our list. It's actually happening. The Commons' long game of uniting the country through its senators is well underway, but we still don't know if Mira succeeded with her part in all of this. I didn't give her mission much time to succeed. My stomach drops again, this time from guilt. Now that Governor Roth is running for president, Mira needs to have found something so significant and ironclad there's no other outcome but for Roth to sink, drowning all his presidential hopes with him. Just as another bout of turbulence hits, the cockpit door opens and Baron comes to the main cabin. He crashes right into me, slamming my back against the drink cart. My temper flares alongside my suspicion. What were you doing in the cockpit? I ask, rerouting the plane? He might be leading us into another trap, this time right into Roth's hands. I don't know what you're talking about, Baron snaps. What right do you have to question me? You're the one who endangered Ciro's and the other's missions. He clenches his jaw tight, attempting to regain his composure. No, keep talking. I need to break your code of silence. You mean Mira's mission, I spit back. Why did you choose to be on my mission team anyway? My father trained me to be a master of lies, deceiving everyone around me in order to survive. Now I want to live a life only of truth, but I hope I can use those hard-earned skills to detect another liar when I see one. Maybe they're harder to see when they're right in front of you. I pledged myself to the cause, Baron says. Your plan of action was the best strategy to win back our country from the government. I had no hidden agenda. I'm not convinced, and he knows it. If you have something to say, then say it, Baron demands. Are you Governor Roth's mole? I ask point blank. Baron scoffs, then looks over to Emery, who sits in the middle of the plane. She's been writing in her notebook the entire flight, softly mouthing words like she's running through a speech. There's an olive-colored tinge to her face from motion sickness. A vomit bag rests on the seat beside her. Paul's been an excellent aide to our leader, plying her with ginger tea and crackers. I'm sure he's had practice from taking care of Ellie when she was sick. I did the same for Mira. Is Baron trying to signal for Emery for help? If so, she's not giving any. She watches our squabbling with the air of a schoolmaster letting her students learn a lesson for themselves. 
Don't look to Emery, I say to Baron. Look at me. Roth said similar words to me when he raided our house in Trinity Heights. He thought he could root out liars, too. The bitter taste of arrogance and paranoia fills my mouth. I want to spit it out, but instead I double down and glare a challenge at Baron. He squares his broad shoulders at me. I did my duty to guard and protect you on your mission, but I couldn't save you from your youthful inexperience. Your hot-headed actions have put the common itself in danger, along with everyone who has given up everything we care about in order to follow you. There's a fervor in his eyes that I can only believe to be genuine. Passion is a hard emotion to fake. But I can't tell what his strength of feeling is toward. His rebuke of my methods? The justness of our cause? Zero? All at once, the plane drops 20 feet in the air, sending Baron and I flying against the walls. When we gather ourselves together again, Baron has sealed up all his vulnerabilities. He's a hardened soldier once more. We're going back to Dallas too soon, he insists. We still don't have the numbers on our side for this assault. Whoever our betrayer is, and I'm still not ruling out Baron completely, we can use the invasion against them. In case you didn't notice, half the Texas Guard is off occupying faraway states. The common needs to use that to our advantage. We need to move fast before Roth has the entire country behind him, I say, justifying myself to Berend, and to Emory and Paul, who are listening closely. This is the time to strike. Dallas has never been weaker. Roth has overreached. Let's make him pay for his blind ambition." I turn from Baron and make my way down the narrow aisle to the back of the plane, using the headrests for support. The seatbelt sign flashes in warning, but that means nothing. It's been on the whole flight. Another consequence of climate change, roller coaster air travel, increased carbon dioxide levels in the atmosphere means severe air turbulence is the norm. Emery braces herself against her armrests, clearly fighting off another fit of nausea. When I hear her row, she manages to give me a nod as if I as if to say, well done. I decide to take a seat beside her. Talking helps, I say, placing the vomit bag onto her tray table. It distracts you. Emery smiles and closes her notebook. What would you like to discuss? My mother, I say. I suddenly crave stories about my mother that have nothing to do with the rebellion. Will you tell me how my parents fell in love in Denver? Emery was Lynn's best friend. She would know details no one else could. How is not the right question when it comes to love, Ava, Emery says, briefly squeezing my hand. No one knows the how or the why of it, but I will tell you what I know about Lynn's courtship of Darren. My mother went after father? I always thought it was the other way around. Rayla certainly made it seem that way. Fascinated, I rest my head back against the seat and close my eyes, ready to imagine my parents young and alive with love. Now seated at the back of the plane, I rest my forehead against the cold window, gazing down on the mighty Dallas skyline thousands of feet below. I've seen aerial shots of the capital before, but to experience this rare perspective with my own eyes takes my breath away. The cityscape seems to go on forever, and in the distance I make out Guardian Tower, shining like a star in the twilight. In all the hundreds of thousands of years of modern human ex history, this bird's-eye view has only been seen by people for less than two centuries, but recently it was taken from the public once more, reserved only for the most elite. Even a gover government official like my father never once enjoyed the honor of flying. I wish Mira were here to share this moment with me. What new experience is she having without me? I hope she's down there already, waiting. 
See you soon. At the last stage, Dallas doesn't look so bad from above, Paul says from the aisle. I turn my gaze to him. He bends over to look out my window, his cowlick keeping its resistance to lying flat. It almost looks peaceful. Any question of loyalty on my end and judgments of hasty actions on his, any hard feelings we had between us have disappeared. It's remarkable, isn't it? I say, staring back out the window. All across the metropolis, the lights from the skyscrapers burn bright like beacons of change, the last flickers of hope. We can't let them fade out. Without warning, the plane changes course and veers away from Dallas. Ladies and gentlemen, we've run into an unforeseen security defense and must make an emergency landing. The pilot shouts into the cabin speakers. Please return to your seats immediately and fasten your seatbelts. Emery and Baron barrel toward the cockpit door. What the hell is going on? I say to Paul, rising from my seat. He's turned pale. There must be a virtual sky fence around Dallas that broke through our stealth shield, he says as we race for the control room together. We have to land now or the military will attempt to take control of the plane by hacking into our operating system. If they achieve this, they can force land our plane in one of the guards' runway runways. Governor Roth found us. I was right. We can't hide from him, not even in the sky. Owen. Well, this view sucks, I say out loud to no one. The roof of the last stage theater was supposed to give me a vantage point to scope out the battleground. Roth's got home court advantage. We need to see what we're up against. But nope. Mega skyscrapers hem the old playhouse on all sides. The only thing I can see that's not a building is the alleyway right below. Awesome. It's better than nothing. I take what I can get and sit on the edge of the building, posting up as a watchdog. Zero action. My mind starts to wander. Inside the theater, Haven is here, Rayla's lost daughter. Her hard life shows on her sun-spotted face and the way she doesn't talk much. I think I'm the first person she's ever tried to shake hands with. Imagine it. She's lived 40-plus years as a government ward, separated from her family, kept alive just to be worked to death, and now she's with her mother again. A new chance at life. It's enough to almost make me believe in miracles. Or fate. Almost. That family is a tough breed to kill off, and we just gained another one on our side. That's four for us, zero for Ruff. I'm liking our odds. I'd like them a hell of a lot better, though, if everyone would get here already. Our team was the first to arrive at the rendezvous point. No Ava or Mira or any of the members Rayla called the elders. Scratch that. Only half our team made it here. Blaze and Kipling still haven't turned up. Neither have Xavier and Malik. Mandatory curfew. Return immediately to your residence or you will be arrested. The annoying alert will not shut up. It blasts into the streets on repeat like the citizens didn't get it the first time. Dallas is a complete ghost town. Or did the guard's camera eyes decide to take a little nap? Yeah, we got it, I say aloud. Right after I say it, the electronic voice cuts out. Two seconds of silence. Then an eardrum-busting siren takes its place. That wasn't me, I insist, covering my mouth. The last time I uttered those words after an unexpected siren went off, all hell broke loose. I rocket up to my feet, wishing I'd learned to keep my big mouth shut. Mandatory public assembly. Report immediately to Capitol Square, the new order demands. That can't be good. A public assembly means Roth has something and he wants to show off. Ava and Mira. Double not good. 
I have to tell Rayla. I tear down fly- five flights of stairs and arrive in front of Rayla and Haven, crazy out of breath. It's Ava and Mira, I stammer. Not helpful. Use more of your words. Assembly. Somebody flips on the room speakers. Thank Whitman. Mandatory public assembly. Report immediately to Capitol Square. The look in Rayla's eyes tells me she knows it's the twins, too. Her right hand moves for her gun. Her other hand has never left Haven's shoulder. Save the twins, Rayla roars. She drowns out the government's voice. This is our time to fight back. The safe house explodes in response to our leader's call to arms. They raise their guns, knives, anything that can be used as a weapon, into the air. I stand beside her, raising my own gun. Haven pulls out a guard's pistol from her waistband, ready to fight for her family, but Rayla stops her. I need you to stay here and guard Mrs. Roth. She's too important to lose. So are you, she tells her daughter. Keep out of sight and danger. No, I stay with you, Haven protests. Please, Rayla says. She moves her hand up to Haven's cheek. I need to know at least you remain out of Roth's grasp. Haven relents and goes in for a hug. It's obvious she's out of practice because it's clumsy and she squeezes way too hard. But Rayla's a new but physical emotion too. So it's actually perfect. Neither wants to let go. Is that a lump in my throat? I turn, giving them their well-earned privacy, and stare at the heavy foreign object in my shaky hands. We will face guards this time. Actual humans, not just drones. They will be much harder to shoot. Are you a common member or just a kismet puppet like Blaze said? I'm about to find out. Trial by gunfire. Okay, so that is it for today. Another episode down. I can't wait to see what happens next. Um, And I hope you're excited too. I will talk to you guys soon.